Welcome back today. We're going to have a little vision weekend where we're just going to kind of push pause for a moment in our series calendar. We typically will do a series every month or every few weeks, but I felt like we needed to kind of push pause on that and talk a little bit about our vision as a church, why we exist. Why do we gather every single Sunday? What's the point? Is it just a crowd of people or is there a greater purpose to all of this that's going on? And I think it's important that you know clearly the vision of our church. Where are we going and how are we going to get there? And the vision is pretty simple. We want to help people know God. That's the first step in our vision. People to know God, to give their life to God, and people to know, that know Him, to know Him even better. So that we can move to the next stage of our vision, which is to find freedom. Because all of us, when we began this journey, we had things from our past that slowed us down. Things that held us back. Some paralyzed us. Some just kind of kept us from being all that we could be. The, the fathers, the mothers, the husbands, the wives, the business people that God created us to be. And they just hold us back, even if it's just a little. And so we got to shut the door on our yesterday so it stops affecting our tomorrows. And then here's the beauty of that. When we begin to find freedom from our past, we can move to the next stages, begin to discover why we exist. Why are we on earth? You see, the two greatest days of your life was the day you were born, number one, and number two, the day you discovered why. Like, why are you here? What is the purpose to your life? There's something that God created each of us individually for, and we've got to discover that. And then once we discover it, we move to the final stage of our vision, which is we make a difference with our life. We take who we are and what God has given us, and we go out and we make a difference in the lives of others. And here's the beauty of this vision. It's not our vision. When you study the Bible, this is actually God's vision for mankind. This is God's heart for every human being on planet Earth. Cover to cover throughout the Bible, the first time you see this outlined in Scripture was in the Exodus story. God makes four promises to the nation of Israel that to this day they still celebrate and their Passover Seder. The four covenants, the four I will promises, the same four things that Jesus said in the Great Commission. The same four things that Paul talks about over and over in his writing, that, that we would know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and then make a difference with our life. So we decided as a church, instead of coming up with our own vision, why don't we just partner with God with His? If God is trying to see these four things happen in your life, why don't we just design our church around these four things taking place? Because we believe this for every one of you. So we're going to push pause today on our series, and we're just going to take a moment, and we're going to talk about the vision, and here's why is so important. The Bible says if people can't see what God is doing, one translation says where there is no vision. When people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And as your pastor, I want to keep you from doing that. I don't want you stumbling all over yourself. But here's the good news. When they attend to what God reveals, when you when you begin to see what God is doing and then you give your life to be a part of what God is revealing to you, they are most blessed. And that's my desire for you as your pastors. I want to see you blessed. Not just blessed. I want to see you most blessed 
Well, they're the people who see what God is up to, and then they attend to what God has revealed to them. So today's message is going to be broken up into two halves. One, we're going to talk a little bit about where we're going as a church over the next few months, where God has taken us from, and, and where we're going. And then second, God put a message on my heart for you personally to help give you clarity for what he's revealing so that you can attend to what God is up to. First off, where are we going? What, what does the next few months look like? Well, today we begin our small group semester. Today is day number one of this 12-week spring semester. And if you really want to be a part of our church, you need to understand that our church meets in groups. Our church doesn't meet on the weekend. This is an event. This is a crowd of people. But where real church takes place is in groups throughout the week. When you get connected to people who know your name and they're glad that you came, that's where real church takes place. <coughs> so today we begin this brand new semester. And if you don't know what group to be a part of, let me encourage you. There's one group that I encourage everyone in our church to go through at least one time <coughs> in your journey with us as a church, and that is our life small groups. So if you look at our catalog online, there's a whole section of life, and that's a great starting point. Next weekend, we have our marriage conference. And let me just say to all the married people, if you're not intentionally working on making your marriage better, your marriage isn't going to get better. You have to work at marriage. It doesn't naturally get good. Let me put it like this. If you don't work at your marriage, you're going to be working at your marriage. Like if you don't work now in a positive way, you're going to be working later to try to save something that may not be savable. That's why we invest into our marriages. And we have Dr. Norm and Linda Mental coming in with us. Great marriage people, psychologists, uh, uh, professors at Liberty University. Just go online and read the different sessions at the marriage conference. That's all the incentive you need. Just, just read the name of the class. It's going to be a great weekend. So it starts Friday night. Saturday morning, and then they're going to be with us at all of our weekend services. Next weekend, we also launched a brand new vision for freestyle. Not new vision, should I say upgraded vision, because most of it stays intact. We're just upgrading all of our student ministry beginning next week, starting with at 5 o'clock next week, we have a middle school freestyle service at 5 o'clock, and then at 6.30, we have a high school freestyle service in our brand new freestyle room, we took away the growth track room, and we have fully renovated it strictly for freestyle. Now, the growth track still gets to use it on Sunday, but now it's dedicated to the teenagers of our church because we want to invest in them this year and give them their own space. And so I encourage all the parents to go take a look. Josh will be down there all weekend long doing an open house, letting you see all of the renovations. But next Sunday night, 5 o'clock will be the middle school service. 6.30 will be the high school service in the new freestyle room. We're still going to have our once-a-month freestyle gathering on Wednesday night. But now every single week, they'll have the middle school and the high school. Great things happening in freestyle. The winter retreat is coming up. So if you're, if, if you're a student, you're not signed up for the winter retreat yet, I encourage you to get online, sign up for the winter retreat. God just, like, there's something about being in the mountains with snow that God just shows up in your life. Like, I don't know about you, but I've heard more stories, and I remember as a child, God impacting me at youth camp or youth retreat, and just really shows up in a special way. So I would encourage you to be there. Then, 
after next week, we're going to go into our, our, our new uh, kind of spring February series, Love Story. We did this about four years ago as a church. You're going to love this. This is a verse-by-verse study through the book Song of Solomon. Many of you have never heard a pastor teach out of Song of Solomon. We're actually going to go verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, and we're going to go through the entire book, Song of Solomon. And, and a lot of people don't go there because it's a little tough because some of the language in there just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, he, he's trying to be romantic and impress this girl, and he's saying, your hair looks like, the, you know, a bunch of goats running down a mountain. And your teeth look like two sheep coming up out of the water. And your neck is like this tower. And your nose is like this, you know, it, and, and all this, you know, crazy language. You're like, that, that sounds horrible. Like, I would never say that to my wife. Well, once you understand the symbolism, we're going to get into the symbolism throughout this series. I'm going to explain what some of that means. You'll find out it's actually very beautiful and very romantic language. So week number one, we're going to dive into the first chapter and talk about how they meet and, and how they kind of, you know, get connected. Week number two, I want every teenager in the church to be here and every parent of every teenager to be here. And if you have any friends who have teenagers, bring them that week because we're going to talk about the difference between biblical courting and dating. And here's what you need to know about dating. Dating is practice for divorce. It is. And you can talk to any athlete. Any athlete will tell you, you play like you practice. Yeah. So what is dating? It's practice for divorce. I like you. I like you. I don't like you. I like you. I like you. I don't like you. I like you. I like you. I don't like you. All we're doing is practicing how to go in and out of relationships. God has a different standard. And here's the thing. We can debate, you know, well, it's just two different ways to view it. Yeah, but look at the statistics. It's not even a debate. It just doesn't work doing it that way. Look at the statistics in America. God's way works. There's just a different standard out there. And then week number three of this love story series, I want everybody to write down the date for week number three because you're not going to want to miss week number three. It's going to be chapter four out of Song of Solomon. If you've ever read Song of Solomon, you know chapter four is the honeymoon night. So the title for week number three is Great Sex. It is going to be a, a hot, steamy, passionate weekend at church. Write down the date, March 4th and March 5th. You're going to walk away from that weekend thinking, my God is awesome. Like, he is just awesome. Now, let, let me warn you, it will be PG-13. So if you have, you know, children in elementary school, great weekend to check out Kids Church. They have a dynamic program down there, amazing kids dream team. If they are middle school and up, they need to be here and hear this. Because uh, I'm telling you, they're hearing worse at school, and they need to know God's standard. They need to know why we, why is it important to have purity? Why is it, because there's something so beautiful and precious. And you're going to learn things from the Bible. You're like, I cannot believe that's in the Bible. Again, all to say, your God is awesome. That, that's, that's all I got to say about it. So write the date down, because that will be bigger than Easter that week, and it always is. <laughs> Last time we did it, it was as big as Easter. I mean, everyone, for some reason, wants to come to this message. And hear it. Uh, and, and, he, and here's basically the premise of it. You cannot have a godly marriage without a passionate sex life. And you cannot sustain a passionate sex life without a godly marriage. They go hand in hand. 
and, and you're going to see God's standard for this area of your life, and it's going to be awesome. So I'm just telling you now, March 4th and March 5th, again, all the teenagers need to be here to hear this, because you need to know what God has to say about this subject, so that you know why it's important that we keep ourselves pure for that day. And then we're going to get into the, you know, the next chapter on their first fight as the newlywed couple. We're going to talk about how to fight right. You know, God actually designed marriage for conflict and, and, and it'll help you grow. And then talking about how to you know, stay in love forever. And then, then finally, the whole till death do us part. We actually get that line from our wedding ceremony in chapter eight of Song of Solomon. And we're going to, we're going to talk about what it means. It actually, that, that whole phrase, till death do us part, literally means let me burn in hell if I ever break this covenant. That's what it means in the Hebrew language, and so we're going we're gonna to look at that and talk about that. It's going to be a great series. You're, you're going to definitely enjoy this series, and then after or during this series, we're going to have our women's conference, first annual women's conference. It's going to be a Friday night event. It's going to be the first one. We're going to start doing it annually. We've got a great speaker, Stella Reed, her and her husband pastor, the New York Dream Center in Manhattan, and she is She's just a dynamic speaker. You're going to enjoy her and love her that night. So women just kind of save the day. Then we move into our Easter season. And Easter this year, we're going to have a Passover Seder on April 7th. We're going to have our Jewish pastor, our Jewish evangelist coming in. And you're going to love him. He's going to be with us all, all Palm Sunday weekend to speak at all of the services. He's who we support monthly to do Jewish evangelism across the world. He's He's leading people to Christ like you can't imagine. He's led Holocaust survivors to Christ, which is some of the most difficult people to share Jesus with. He himself grew up as a South African Jew. His family escaped the Eastern European pogroms. He didn't even know Jesus was Jewish. He thought Jesus was European because of all the paintings you grew up looking at. And, and his whole idea of Christianity is these are the people that came in and raided our villages and raped and pillaged and, and killed us. And so for him to become a Christian was just an absolute miracle. And so he's going to be here that weekend sharing his testimony of the way he got saved. And he'll, he'll share it that weekend as he actually, Jesus revealed himself to him in Jerusalem in the old city. And, and just an amazing story of how he gave his life to Christ and so he does the Passover Seder. We're going to do it the Friday night. We're looking at a couple different hotel banquet rooms in the area to be able to do this in. He'll actually take you through the Passover Seder, this, this Old Testament ancient ceremony, and he'll reveal Jesus in every single element. And he's actually led many, many Jewish people to Christ through the Passover by just helping them see Jesus hidden all throughout the ceremony, just revealing Jesus all throughout the different elements. It's going to be a very powerful weekend for us as a church. So if you have friends that you want to invite, he's just very gifted as a speaker and his personal story and testimony is just very, very powerful. So we're excited about that. And then the last update for the season we're moving into is we've got to update our service times on Sunday. And in particular, it's going to impact this service. We have to move this service from 11 o'clock to 11.30 in the next few weeks, and we'll announce in the next couple weeks when we're actually going to launch that uh, time change, but what we've realized is it's been very difficult to find parking, it's been difficult to find a seat oftentimes, and part of the reason is the services are so close together that it's hard to turn over the property in that short amount of time. What we've seen on Christmas Eve is when you, when you have services every two hours, it's very easy to max out the whole campus, parking, everything else. And there's not a traffic issue because there's enough time to change things over. And so we feel like 
we've got, we, we've got to do something to make it uh, a little easier for people to be a part of our church. Because what happens is people get frustrated. They can't find parking. They can't find a seat. And if they're not somebody that knows Jesus and they walk away frustrated, that, that breaks my heart. It really does break my heart. So to be able to pull this off, we're going to need help. We're going to need people to be involved on the dream team at 1130, particularly with the kids' dream team. People to commit for a season to serve in kids' church at 1130 to make a difference and really do this. And I know what some people are thinking. They're like, well, really, that I mean, the solution is just don't invite any more people to church. Like, I can barely find parking as it is. Like, I have a hard enough finding a seat. Let's, I mean, we're already full enough. Let's just not grow anymore. And let me just say, if it's too full for you, then why don't you find a service that's not so full? In fact, the best parking is at 5 o'clock, Saturday and Sunday. You get a great parking spot because those services are only about 60% full, and there's plenty of room. But let me, let me help you understand why it needs to be full. Because a lot of people wrestle with this, like, well, the church is getting too big. The church is getting too full. Let me help you understand why we need it to be full. Here's what Jesus said about full. Go out into the country. Urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Jesus says, I want my house full. Now, how many of you love going to a movie when the movie is just like full and there's no seat but on the front row? Like, like nobody likes that, do we? Like, like we like movie theaters that are empty. Like I love going to a movie and nobody's in the theater. I get the whole theater to myself. That happened to my wife and I the other day. We were, we were at a movie and there was like no one there. And it was glorious. I mean, I'm like, you know, three chairs spreading out. I mean, the whole place to myself. Can I say that's fine for a movie theater? That's not fine for church. That's not, that's not good for church. And here's the thing. This, this is not a game. What we do on the weekend is not entertainment. This is about heaven or hell. And we're not the only church in town, but I believe every church in North County needs to be full. Every church needs to be full. And it's funny to me, huh? I have people come up to me every once in a while, and they'll say, you know, we just love this church. You know, we left the other church we were going to because it got too full. And we just like this because it's a little bit smaller, and, and, and it's not as big, and we, we just, you know, and I always, what are they saying? Like, like I always wonder, like, what are they, are, are, they, are they actually saying to me, you know, we really don't care about people going to hell. We just want a church that's comfortable for us. Like, it doesn't really matter that they go to hell. Just, just make it all about me. Like, I want to make sure I get a good parking spot and a good seat. No, I can really care less about the Jesus thing. We're in it for me. I mean, I always wonder, like, what's that? I mean, I know they're not thinking that, but I wonder, like, what's really going on behind the scenes? You need to remember this. You need to remember that this is personal to Jesus, because if you forget the vision, if you forget the vision for what this is all about, you'll end up resenting having to look for parking. You'll end up resenting the fact that it takes you a little while to get out of the parking lot. You'll end up resenting the fact that you can't always find the seat that you want. But if you remember that God actually cares about his lost children, 
Like God's concerned about his lost kids and his mandate is to fill up his house. And I'm not just talking about the church. The church is just one step in the process. I'm ultimately talking about his house, heaven. And he wants it full. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Then you're going to get it. You're going to understand that as a church, we will do everything short of sin to reach as many people as we can. And I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings, but I never, you know, dreamed about pastoring a church for church people. I I just, I hope you know that. Like, it wasn't my dream when I went into ministry to pastor a church for church people. In fact, here's the truth. We don't exist. The church doesn't exist for us. I hope you know that. In fact, what the Bible says, you are the church, and we exist for the world. That's the truth. You see, the Christian organization is the only organization in the world that was not built for the member, but that was actually built for the non-member in mind. That's why we're building this year. That's why we're going into construction. That's why we need more parking and we need another egress and we need more seats and we need more services because God cares about his lost kids. Now, to be very honest with you, I have all the space I need on Sunday. Like, I don't need personally any more space on Sunday. And the truth is, you you have all the space you need. You have your seat and you have your parking spot. But here's the truth. It's not about you. And it's not about me, is it? It's not about us. It's about those who are not here yet. So you need to understand that you have a role to play in this corporate movement of what God is doing at Coastline Church. Because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we're, we're in a special moment right now as a church. There are people all over America praying to experience in their church what we've been experiencing the last couple years. There's, there's something special taking place. And let's not forget that it was because generations prayed for this. There were generations of people praying to see what we're living right now. I think of the, the Al and the Carol Vendettis and the Bob Wares and Ron Floreses and Sue Gimbys and Barb Alloways and Gasparis and Hovis and, and, and Ed Whites and Dave Barris and all these people. You may have never heard their name, but they were praying for what we're experiencing right now. And we're right in the middle of it, and that demands a response from you. There is now a responsibility. For those of you who've been attending this church for more than a couple weeks, there's a responsibility now that rests on our shoulders. Paul puts it like this. Be very careful then. Be careful how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. In the Greek language, they have two words for the word time in English. There's the Greek word chronos, which is literally what time it is right now. And then there's the Greek word kairos. This this word opportunity is the Greek word kairos. Kairos is an undetermined time where something special happens. It's a 
wait a second, there's something different about this moment in time. And, and the question is, why is God giving our church this kairos moment right now? Well, the answer is because the days are evil. Let me read this backwards to you and help you see it. Because the days are evil, God has given us this favorable moment in time. So let us not be unwise, but let's be careful how we live to capitalize on this window, this moment that God has given us. Because the days are evil, God is giving churches, not just our church, there's many churches experiencing this favorable moment. See, here's Kairos. Kairos is an opportune or a supreme moment. It's a moment that is just special. It's different. Things happen. And it demands a response from all of us. And let me be clear. This is not how big of a church can we be. It's not about us. It's about what God is doing. And we live in a special generation. We live in a day and an age where things are far worse and far more evil than they've ever been. Just watch the news. And the good news is God's grace right now and his favor right now is greater than it's ever been. Kairos. Kairos also means a passing instant. When an opening appears, this moment in time, this window, which must be, and I love this, driven through with force. Driven through with force is success is to be achieved. To which so many people say, well, then drive on, Pastor. No, I need you to drive on. We've got to do this thing together. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent take it by force. We need to be a church that is in motion. We need to be a church that is advancing, that is taking steps, taking ground. We need people to stand up and say, I will make some movement. And what my role is, what my job is, is to make the movement clear. That's the job of the pastor, to make the movement clear. So what I want to do is I want to give you four verbs today to really help bring our vision to life. And if you'll do these four verbs, if you'll begin to make some movement, to take some action, God will absolutely use our church. The first verb is follow. Now, my son goes to charter school right now, and he goes to school a couple days a week, and then he homeschools a couple days a week, and I get to help with the homeschool. And one of the things we're doing in grammar right now is he's learning all about howlies. Howlies are adverbs. They're adverbs that bring more meaning to the verb. So since we're doing this at home, I decided I'm going to do this with you and, and give you some howlies to, to bring these verbs a little bit more to life. And so we're not just to follow, we're to aggressively follow. Jesus isn't looking for passive people. He's looking for people that will be aggressive at following, not me following him, following Jesus. And here's the thing you need to know about Jesus. Jesus never asked for believers. He asked for followers. See, a lot of people think, well, 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 I believe in Jesus. Isn't that all he wants is for me to believe in him? No. He never asked for believers. He asked for followers. Even the devil believes in Jesus. And last I checked, he's not going to heaven. Mark chapter 8. Then calling the crowd. 
And I stopped there for a moment to say, right now, this is a crowd of people. This is a crowd. You've got to ask yourself the question, have you stepped out of the crowd yet? Because he's calling a crowd. He's calling some people to separate themselves from the crowd and come in a little bit closer. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower. See, he didn't call for believers. He called for followers. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. This is the first thing we exist for as a church, is to help people become followers. That's why as a church, you're going to hear a lot about steps. You're going to hear me talk about next steps. What is your next step? What is the next step? Because we are people who are in motion. Why? Because we follow. We're not trying to build a crowd of people on Sunday so that I have a, a group. To, I, I'm, let, me, let, me just, let, me, let me just put you at ease. I'm very confident in who I am. I don't need a group of people to support my ego. So we're not building this church around what I do on Sunday. What I do on Sunday is simply a catalyst to get you to follow, to get you in motion, to put you in a process of living for Jesus. That's what it's about. We follow. Second is we connect. We connect. But again, not just connect randomly. We intentionally connect. You got to be connected to the right things and to the right people. And connection is the key to success. You look at a family that is connected, that has good relationships, that's a successful, healthy family. You look at a business that is connected where everyone knows their role and their responsibility and their part to play, that's a business that's going to be successful. The same is true for the body of Christ. Here's the truth. My hand needs to be connected to the arm for my hand to fulfill its potential. My hand can't do what it was created to do if it gets disconnected from the arm. And in fact, if it disconnects from the arm, the hand will die. Because there's no blood flowing through it. There's no life flowing through it. There's no purpose flowing through it. That's why so many people sit in church and they just don't feel the life. Why? Because God's looking down and he sees a bunch of severed body parts. He sees a bunch of people who are showing up, but they're not connected. And look, even if this never becomes your church, you need to find a church that you can connect to. You need to find a church that you can be a part of. Because here's what God is looking. He's looking for attenders to become members. And I'm not talking about formal church membership. I'm just talking about people who take ownership for the church. You have to ask yourself the question, do you attend Coastline Church or is this your church? Are you part of the church? You've got to decide that. Because here's the thing. Jesus is looking for followers. He's not looking for attenders. You have to ask yourself the question, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Is it, what can I get out? I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. Or is it, I'm looking for a church where I can make a difference. I'm looking for a church where I can contribute and give my life to follow Jesus in, and I'm connected. You have to make the decision, where are you in this journey? So I love that, that verse we showed on video. Two are better than one. They always are. They always are because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, and let me just stop for a moment and say, if you've fallen down in life, 
Whatever that means for you. I know there's a lot of people in different situations where maybe you've fallen in your marriage. Maybe you've fallen in other relationships. Maybe you've fallen into an addiction or an issue in your life, a struggle. If you've fallen down, this is a church where you will be welcome and accepted. This is a church for fallen people. That's why we say all the time, this is a no perfect people allowed church. And if you've been fallen, you're going to find grace. And we're not going to kick you when you're down. But if you'll let us, we'll help you up. That's, that's the heartbeat of our church is we want to help you up. But we can't do that if you're not connected. Pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And here's what's even better. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three is not quickly broken. We can do far more together than any of us can do individually. This is why we want you in a group of at least three or more people. This is why we are a church of groups. We know that if you get into a group and you build healthy relationships, you're not going to fall down easily. You're not going to be broken easily. Real life change happens in groups. I I hate saying this because it hurts my feelings, but I'm simply not enough for you. Like, I'm not. If all you get out of this church is my preaching, you're in trouble. You need far more than my preaching. Like, you need a group to belong to. You need people around you. I'm not enough for you. The next is discover. Discover. Not passively, passionately. Passionately discover. Discover what? Why you exist why God created you why God puts you on planet earth your life is intentional you may say well my life wasn't intentional I was an accident my parents didn't even want me that was their story that's not God's story God just needed two people to get you on planet earth that'll be the next series coming up I love the way David says it David says You, God, created my inmost being. God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God said, I'm going to put some of that in her, and I'm going to put some of that in him, and I'm going to give them these gifts and and, and give them that for the purpose that I'm I'm knitting them together for. Can I just stop for a moment and and just on an aside say, and before I say it, let me say, whatever mistakes you've made in your past, there is grace and there is forgiveness here. But let me just say for a moment, God doesn't like it at all. He he, he doesn't like it at all when he's knitting somebody together in their mother's womb when their life is purposely ended. He just doesn't like that. And again, there's grace here. But I just, I I needed to say that for a moment. David goes on to say, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And then here's the difference between David and most people. I know that full well. Like I know why I exist. I know my purpose. I know God, why you created me. And that's where this joy is coming from. He goes on to say, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's how intentional your life is. God had a plan for your life. This is why you've got to discover who you are, why God created you. I love the way Paul puts it. He says, make a careful exploration. How many of you have done this? How many of you have carefully explored 
who you are and the work that you've been given. And then Paul says, once you've carefully explored and you've figured all that out, sink yourself into it. And this is where we want to help you as a church. This is where I think our church really thrives, is we have an intentional process. We're, we're trying to help you follow Jesus, and then we want to help you shut the door on your yesterdays. And then we want to bring you into a growth process. We actually call it the growth track, where we can help you make a careful exploration of who you are. In fact, in the growth track, we're going to do a, a gifts assessment. We're going to let you study your spiritual gifts to see how God hardwired you and designed you unique. And here's the beauty. Once you discover that, it'll bring you to the last verb where you find real joy. And you'll look at this last verb and you'll think to yourself, no, that, there's got to be a mistake. That's not what gives you joy in life. Oh, yeah, it does. Ask anybody. Ask anybody that's living this out. And they'll tell you, and it's serve. Serve, but not just serve, strategically serve. Do what you were made to do. If my hand serves as a foot, it's not going to be happy. But if my hand serves as a hand, it's going to be fulfilled. The happiest people on the planet are those who know why they exist and are living it out, doing something for others. Peter says it like this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Now, there's the problem. There's a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, who they don't know what gifts they've received. They've never made the careful exploration of who they are. They've never done any type of an assessment to figure out their spiritual gifts. Here's the thing. You have five or six spiritual gifts that God hardwired into you. That's the beauty of the growth track process is we'll do an assessment. We'll, 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 we'll give you a spiritual gifts test so that you can figure out what are your unique gifts. And the beauty is when you discover your gifts, you can use those to serve others. You can use them to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms in all the different ways. From the people who, who love to direct traffic and, and serve on the parking dream. How many of you love the parking dream team? Aren't they awesome? Like, they make me feel good every time I come to church. I mean, their smiles, their way. I mean, they just, they make you feel so loved. To the various form of people that love hospitality. They love to make the coffee and get out all the food and, and, and make it this just warm, inviting environment for new people to experience church. To the ushers that just greet people and direct people and, and help answer questions. To the techie people who love to sit in the back on the computers and they, they run the screens. And then the, the video people love to work on cameras. To the kids dream team. These are people who love children. And they're not there to, to put on a daycare for children. They're there to create a church experience where these kids can engage with God. All the various forms. And here's why we do it. Here's why we do it. Because God likes it. This is to my Father's glory. Jesus says, my dad likes it. When we make a difference and we serve, he likes it. And it goes on to say, that you bear much fruit. That's why we need more services. That's why we need more seats. That's why we need more parking. We want to bear not a little bit of fruit. We want to bear much fruit 
for the Father because he likes it. And then I love this next part of the verse. I mean, this is, this is amazing the way Jesus puts it. He says, I've told you all of this. Look how he words this. Not so that you'll make me happy, but so that you'll make you happy. This is why I said this is where you discover joy. Jesus says, I've told you all of this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's the only time he's ever made that statement. He said, look, it's not just about making me happy. It does make me happy. But more than making me happy, this is going to make you happy. When you begin to serve, when you begin to strategically serve and the way I design and the way I create, you're going to get my joy. And that joy is going to be complete. That's why the dream team are the happiest people around here. That's why the motto of the dream team is I was made for this. That's the power of it. See, some of you feel a hole or this void in your Christianity. You can't figure out why you show up week after week after week and, and you're like, something's disconnected. Something's not working right. Like I, I hear about this joy and I see this joy in all these people. Why am I not experiencing that level of joy? Well, could it be you're an attender? Could it be you're a consumer? Could it be you haven't stepped into this this final step of God's vision for your life? See, here's the truth. That hole, that void, it's never going to be filled with money. It's never going to be filled with vacations. It's never going to be filled with your dream home or anything else. It's going to be fulfilled when you discover why God created you, why you exist, and when you live your life making a difference with it. That's why the vision of our church is simple. We want you to know God. And for those of you that know God, we want to help you find freedom. Just to shut the door on our yesterdays. For those of you that have found freedom, we want to help you discover your purpose, why you exist. And then for those of you that have discovered your purpose, we want to help you make a difference with your life. Well, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Follow, connect, discover, and serve. Would you close your eyes for a moment with me? Before we leave today, I want to invite anybody here that needs to take the first step in the whole process, and that's to follow. That's to know God. Here's the thing. Being a Christian isn't about going to church. Being a Christian is about giving your life completely to Jesus. It's about following him with everything you have. Jesus said, take up your cross, lay down your life, follow me. And before we leave today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Through saying a simple prayer of saying, Jesus, I give you my life and I want to follow you. And this is for those of you who've never done it before, and, and today's your day to make a decision, like, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then for some of you, you need to renew this commitment. Because it's been a long time since Jesus was the priority of your life, that you're following other things right now. And Jesus not, is not at the top of your list. And it's time for you to follow him again. And so if that describes you today, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to walk anywhere. 
You don't even have to pray this out loud. This is a moment between you and God. This is your heart and God. So with every eye closed out of respect, if you're here today and you'd like to join me in this simple prayer, what I'd like you to do just so that I know who's praying with me is very quickly, would you just slip up your hand and then put it right back down so I know who's praying with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. appreciate those hands. Thank you. Here's the prayer. It's very simple. In your heart, say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I'm going to follow you. Forgive me for all the times I sinned against you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you will never hold my past against me. In Jesus' name.